Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. I think I'm going to have you turn to Hebrews 11, first of all, okay? You have just read this uh, great passage of Scripture that deals with the city itself, looking at this heavenly city. So let's go back to uh, Hebrews chapter 11, big hall of faith. Would you look with me just some things? This I have tried to find in Genesis. I could not find it in Genesis. I can only find it here in Hebrews. But here's what it says, Hebrews 8 or Hebrews 11, verses 8 to 10. Here's what it says. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city whose foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Now, I, I have looked every place to see if I could find in Genesis where it ever mentions in the life story of Abraham where he was looking for a city. I don't find it. I only find it here in Hebrews. But I'm reminded as I'm looking at this, where was Abraham coming from? He was coming from Ur of the Chaldees. Ur of the Chaldees was on that split river where the Tigris and Euphrates split. It was in that which is often called the Crescent, um, um, the Fertile Crescent or the Crescent Valley there. It's, it's in those. And just above where his home was, was the place where the Tower of Babel was built. So Abraham is always around that big memorial. Uh, you don't ever find any place where it says the Tower of Babel was torn down. You simply find that people were scattered away from it. It was left, uh, much like what you might find over here at Cahokia Mounds. It doesn't, the, the mounds were not torn down when they left. The mounds are still there. And I, I don't doubt that there's somewhat of a relationship going on between those two. But uh, we'll leave that for another day. This tower was left there so Abram getting to see that tower on the his he's living in the history of that. His folks are idolaters in that area who had been a participants in that. That is a city whose builder and maker was man, and it failed. So when Abram is called by God to walk away from there and go to a land he's going to show him. The way for Abram to get to that land is to walk up the river, cross over into Syria, and come back down. You don't go straight across. That's desert. You're going to go up the river, cross, and back down again. He's going to go past the remnants of the Tower of Babel, the city whose builder and maker was man. He's looking for a different place. He's left. He's gone from away from the, the 
roots that he had. He's gone away from that city. He's gone away from all of that. No, he's not interested in that. He's being called by the one true God to get out of where he is and to come to a land he's going to show him. Why? At the Tower of Babel, you recall that God scattered the people. Acts chapter 17 tells us that as he scattered the people, he gave to the people, each one, a land, a boundary, a land with boundaries, and a time. And Psalm 82 lets us know, as, Psalm, or as Deuteronomy 32 lets us know, that each of them received one of the divine counsel to lead them, to show them, to teach them what they're supposed to do. Later, they perverted all that, and those members of the divine council, those who were supposed to help them in their new lands, became gods to them, and they began to worship them as gods. They made idols toward them as gods. That's how it got so perverted. It's in that separation that God divorces the nations. But he has in mind one people. He's going to call this Abraham to come out of the land that he's in because that's not the land he's giving to Abraham. He's going to have him walk the trek and go all the way down and walk through a land that he's going to own. That is going to be Abraham's land. Why doesn't he ever settle down? Why doesn't he ever build his own city? He wasn't looking for that. He was looking for what God had promised. He didn't want another city like the Tower of Babel had been. He wanted something that God had built. He wanted to see something that God had made foundations is. That's what he was looking for. Now, I hope you'll understand from just that little discussion point there, kids, that's why this city of that we just saw, this heavenly Jerusalem, is so very, very important. Why? It is the city that Abraham was looking for. Everybody with me? You, what you're going to see in this city that its builder and maker is God. It has foundations. God has made those foundations. Well, let me go back to my outline, and let's get that down. Letter A in the outline, it was the failed city of man near Abram's home, Babel. That's what he had seen before. That's what he knew was a failure. That's what he knew God didn't like. God was choosing a people, Abraham's descendants, who were going to have a land, and that land is going to be his land to them. He's going to marry that people, and that's going to be their home. He's preparing a place for them. Everybody follow me? He's preparing a place for them, a home for his wife, Israel. But it's going to take some generations to get that done. All right. Let's go back now. Let's consider this. It says in Hebrews 11 here, in verse 9, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country. In other words, he's an alien. He's a nomad there. He doesn't put any roots down. He's dwelling with intents with Isaac and Jacob. Look at this, kids. It isn't just Abraham that's living in tents. He's passing that heritage on to his children, his child Isaac. Isaac, this isn't our home yet. God's going to give us this. It's just not ours yet. So don't put any roots down yet. Let's wait until he tells us what, all of, what it all is. So he now to, when he passes it on to Jacob. Jacob's going to live in tents, and he's going to have all of this land that he's going to walk around in tents again. He is a sojourner. 
That's going to be important. Hang on to that thought, will you? It's a sojourner. Then they're going to be moved away from that land and put, taken down to Egypt, where once again, they're going to live, but it's not their land. It's going to require 400 years of slavery before they're delivered out, and then they're brought back to this land that is going to have cities, but it's not the one they're looking for. Everybody with me? All right, let's go on further. He was waiting for a better city than any he could find here built by men. The city he waited for has solid foundations and is built by God. His descendants shared in his same faith in the promise of God and the confident hope of the reality of that city. So Jacob is following it. Joseph is All of them were following that great promise. They don't know what it really is. They don't have a vision for it. They don't see it. They're, they're only told this is going to be yours. It's going to be a special land. It's going to be a special place just for them. And the descendants kept believing it. They could not build it themselves. They had the joy of waiting on God to complete his promise. So here's Abraham. He's living by faith every day, wondering every day, is today the day? Is today the day that I get this land? Is today the day that I finally get a child? You keep telling me I'm going to have a child. I've not had a child. I'm getting too old to have children, and I know my wife is too old to have children. We don't have a child. You keep telling me this. I believe you, but I don't see it. And he says, I'm going to promise you, and I'm going to have it done within a year. You're going to have this child. Good. But he's still going to live in hope, in faith. Does he know that the infant that's going to be born is going to be the one who's the Messiah? No, he doesn't know that. Look, kids, he's got to live every day in mundanity. Why is that important? Because so do we. Listen, every day that Abraham was alive was not one of those days where he's getting to have a church service. Every one of those days was not a day where God's coming down and speaking with him. Every one of those days that he lives, you know what he's got? Camels. And he's got to feed camels. And he's going to have to breed camels. You know what he's got? Sheep. You know what he's going to do? Breed sheep. And he's going to keep getting more and more of them all the time. You know what he's got? He's got cattle. And he keeps breeding cattle. Kids, that's mundane. That's the same old stuff every day. What's he living on? The few times that God said to him, you're going to have a seed that blesses all the nations. You're going to own the, all the land you put your foot on. And he's got to live feeding camels with that thought. He's got to live every day moving his tent to a new pasture because this one is just about worn out. He's going to have to live every day moving all around, hoping that today is the day. Today is the day. But it's not. He will live and he'll die in that land owning only one thing, a cave that he could bury his wife in. A.W. Tozer wrote, that's the blessedness of possessing nothing. What Tozer meant by that was that Abraham had the use of all that land, but he never had to own any of it. Listen, let's make an application for ourselves. God has called us sojourners here. You're traveling through. 
This isn't a permanent place for you. Why? Because what we're looking at in uh, um, Revelation 21 is a city whose builder and maker is God. It has everlasting foundations. It has everlasting gates. It has everlasting walls. That's what you're waiting for. You follow me? And the tendency is that if I can build a palace here, if I can build something here that keeps me in comfort, that keeps me with everything that I want, and I don't have to live with much sorrow or much, it will fool you. It will trick you into not looking forward to that future home that's yours. You see, as we did with this communion this morning, our Savior took a cup and drank it a few years ago and had you drink it with him and then promised you, you're going to have everlasting life. That same night that he took that cup, do you realize what he said? Don't let your heart be troubled, guys. I know you're finally getting it. You're finally getting that I actually am going to leave. Don't let your heart be troubled. You believed in God. Believe also in me. And my Father's dwelling place In my dad's home, there are lots of places to live. I'm going now to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. You see, you're my bride, and I'm coming back for you. I'm going to marry you, and you're going to have a home that's a beautiful home. Until then, just sojourn. Just sojourn in the mundanity. Just sojourn in that stuff of just doing things that you may think, this doesn't make any sense. This isn't doing anything. I'm not getting anywhere with this. I'm just stacking more sand. It's not getting anywhere. Kids, don't let this world, don't let Babel fool you. This isn't your home. Just occupy till he comes. Just keep doing what you have to do to survive and thrive and keep looking for the one great city that's coming. Keep looking for that one day that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming. This city and this picture of it should be that which speaks to the heart of an individual who's born again that says, you're talking about my house now. You're talking about my home. I am getting homesick. I want to be there. And every time you feel another one of those pains, yesterday I was mowing the grass. And for whatever reason, all of a sudden I began to feel odd little pains everywhere. Couldn't figure out what was going on. And then I saw them. You see, I had just run over one of those underground yellow jacket necks. And they were telling me they didn't appreciate it. And I was telling them how much I didn't appreciate them. I slapped so many things, I was killing stuff, but boy, did they get my legs good. They let me know how hard it was. You know what? I'm looking forward to a new body. I'm looking forward to that time when if there's underground yellow jackets, they have a purpose, and it has nothing to do with me. You follow me? I'm looking forward to that time. Don't, Don't let your heart get so hooked here that you can't have hope and joy for the city that you're going to see. Abraham lived every day. Isaac lived every day. Jacob lived every day. 
taking care of sheep, learning to get good stock, learning how to make the, They were becoming wealthier every day. But that wasn't what kept them going. It was the promise. That's what kept them going. That's what must keep us going. That there is a better city. There is a better place to be. There is something that God built. Everybody with me? All right. Let's go a step further. They could not build it themselves. There was no way they could do that. They had the joy of waiting on God to complete His promise. They would live the mundane daily routines of fulfilling the commands of God from creation, always believing and waiting for the fulfillment of His promises. What do I mean by that? Guys, here's a simple deal. This has never been revoked. Never been revoked. You should replenish and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. God gave us that commandment, and He's never, ever turned it away. You say, well, that means having children, right? Yes, and it means loving the concept of having children. Can I say that? Look, do you understand the rebellion that it is when we want to kill our own offspring? Do you understand what a rebellion that is against the very first commandment God ever gave? Be fruitful and multiply. And when we're doing everything we can to keep them from multiplying, to keep that from happening, to killing them off, we are making a tragic, tragic violation against God's way. He told to us, guys, that we were to be fruitful and multiply, and doing it any other way is rebellion against that. Secondly, he told us to take care of this planet. Listen, that doesn't mean you can turn it into anything you want. We were supposed to convert the whole planet into the, the Garden of Eden. You got to see what the Garden of Eden was. You're having children now, and the kids, you're, you're asking the children, move out, guys, and start making more of the wilderness into the Garden of Eden. Keep doing it until the whole earth is filled with my glory. If I can, let me just zap us forward in time, and let's take us up here to when Jesus comes back again. And there are multiple goals for Jesus coming back again. Can I say that? It's not just a judgment thing. It's to complete a promise he made to his wife back here. He said, sweetheart, I've been preparing a place for you. I'm coming for you so that you can be with me. So in this whole new heavens and new earth thing, it's already filled with the glory of God. You follow that? It was supposed to do this by us cooperating with Him all the way back here. But we didn't like doing that plan. We didn't appreciate that plan. So we wound up living in the wilderness without Him, modifying it the way we wanted to do it, not the way He wanted to do it. And you wind up, guys, with this one over here. He's filled it with His own glory. He did what He said to do back there. Oh, guys, what a wonderful thing this is, this whole plan of God. Do you understand that's what He's expecting to take place at our homes? Our homes be to turn into a place of worship, a, a place of understanding, a place of compassion, a, a place that visitors can be. That's what God wanted us to turn our homes into. That's what He wanted us to turn the whole, the, the whole region into, not poisoning it, not doing it for what we wanted it to be done, 
And lastly, to take care of the fish, the, the, the birds, the, the, the critters, is to make sure they get fed, to make sure they have what they need. Those are the first commandments he gave. Those can seem very mundane, kids. It can seem very, uh, why are we wasting our time with it? It isn't. It is what he gave us from the beginning. Did he ever give us anything else after that? Oh, sure he did. I, I, I'm not trying to say, I'm just saying this. That's the mundane stuff. That's the stuff where you're eating, you're drinking, and you're sleeping, and you're working. And you're doing those with hope, with confidence. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that that city would come. And when that city comes, you can look at that and hear him say, well done, good, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on into this one. Here's your home. Remember the home I was telling you about, sweetheart? Here it is. And what a description. Well, look, let me just go to a couple of descriptions of it here. Go to uh, Revelation 21. Here are some things that we can know about this city. You know, on second thought, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Here, let's, let's just look at, let's just read some things, all right? Let's pick up with me in verse 14. Now, the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city is laid out as a square. The length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. Then he measured its wall, 144 cubits, according to the measure of man, that is, of an angel. The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. Whoa. When I read that stuff, guys, I, I get a little boggled with it. Let me see if I can explain what I have learned about these passages, all right? Because this was written 2,000 years ago. And there are some things that change over 2,000 years. Some of the names we give for certain um, gems and that sort are different from the names that were back then. Let me see if we can just talk our way through it. What John is seeing is this, and he, he's, he's up on a high mountain to see it. So this thing's coming out of space. Everybody with me? It's coming out of space. And what he sees coming down is what he said it's adorned as a bride for her groom. That makes it, this is the church, guys. This is the temple. This is your home. This is where you're going to be. And as it's coming down, it says it's full of the glory of God. Full of the glory of God. That's shining everywhere. Do you get that? So in the middle of this city is the glory of God that's shining everywhere. It is the light that's shining from that everywhere. And as this thing is coming down, I want you to get the picture the walls are made of diamond. Diamond. These are not concrete walls. This is not stuff that is made to protect you. No, 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 no. There's nothing to be protected from. These walls are refractions. They're reflections. They're taking the glory that's in the Lord and just smashing it all throughout the universe. So the glory of the Lord is shining everywhere. This thing, not only is it tall, it's 144. This thing is huge across the top. And it's doing so because it is sending light everywhere. Why? Because it's not going to come to the earth. It's going to sit above the earth. 
and everybody living on the earth is going to walk in its light. So as this old globe turns, all the light of that glorious city is going to be shining down on it. Now get the picture. It isn't just, because if you're looking at this thing from a strictly architectural point and a builder's point, you're in a world of hurt. How often do you build a wall out of diamonds? Okay, other than it being kind of expensive, you, you really don't do that often. And then to think that you're going to put it on top of a bunch of rare stones? No, this is about light, guys. This isn't about building projects. It's about light. All the glory of the Lord that's shining there is going to shine right through those foundations. You see that? It's coming out a variety of colors. Can you get that? This is going to be beautiful. It's coming out red. It's coming out green. It's coming out crystal. It's coming out yellow. It's coming out all those colors like a rainbow. It is just loading the place up. And that's what we're, the people that live on earth, I should say, are going to walk in. This is your home to go add to it. He said about us, we are the light of the world. We are in his glory. Listen to what Colossians chapter 3, verse 4 says. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then shall you also appear with him in glory. You're going to shine, kids. That's not a new concept. Daniel 12 had already said that, that those who were righteous, those who turned people to righteousness, would shine as the stars, would be glorious as the stars. That's what's going to be. You're going to be just like the Lord Jesus Christ was at the transfiguration. He was veiled with his flesh, and when Jesus wanted them to see what the kingdom of God was like, he took the veil of his flesh, set it aside so that they saw the brightness and the glory of the Lord. That's what's in that city. That's what's happening with you. For believing and trusting and being faithful, not being cowardly. Believing and trusting. This is your home, kids. This is your home. This is what he's giving you. And he wants you to look forward to that. That thing is shining so bright, it's like the sun. And that's where you're living. Can you pass back and forth between heaven and earth? Sure. That's not even a problem. We're not even talking about the same physics anymore, kids. Life has changed greatly. Look at those gates. They're pearl. Those gates are pearl. Pearl is, is a... Uh, I've, I've had some things that were false pearl. Real pearls look like the lights inside it. And it shines out. It shines out in such a way that when you hold that pearl, you can see your own reflection in it. It says that those gates are pearl so that the light is just bouncing all over them. And as you're looking at yourself, you would see your reflection in it. And it says that those gates are all named for the tribes of Israel. Why would it do that? Follow me on this. You can't come to know Christ except coming through the Old Testament. Are you with me? Follow what I'm saying. It is what Jesus said, I'm calling Abraham and his descendants to be those who tell my story. I am telling my story through them. They're going to be my prophets. They're going to be my people. They're going to speak this. You know about Jesus because you know about the prophecies. You understand? The prophecies are the ones that said that. It was Israel the one that said that. The law, all of it, 
is a part of what made us get to know who Jesus Christ is. What good is the promise if you don't have it based in the Old Testament? And you're going to enter that city through those words, the words that God gave for all of time. Your whole city is based on the foundation of the apostles, the things that they said, and it's all 12 of them. And the 12 of those stones are all given off a little different light. Why? Because they're all the same story, different perspective. When, when Luke tells the story, when John tells the story, when Matthew tells the story, when Mark tells the story, there's a little bit different perspective on it. I can say there's a little diff- bit different light that shines on it. Those 12 apostles told a little bit different story of the one of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what your faith is based on. This focus of it, the center of it is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's shining out through it all. It's based on those apostles and prophets who he called. It's now gated by all of the Israel who believed in him. This is the whole package deal, kids. I'm telling you, this city is all the way related back to here, back at creation, when all of these things had taken place. Here it is, the fulfillment of it. You're trusting the whole Bible. Everybody follow where I'm at? It's the whole Bible. That's why when some, some people say to me, I don't like to read the Old Testament. It doesn't make any sense. Yes, it does. It makes plenty of sense. Is it tedious to read? Yeah, at times it is. Do I like to hear all the things in it? Well, there's some stories in there that you, you just kind of read over real quick and say, hi, kids, we're going to do our Bible reading tonight. Here we're going to the judges. Okay, we're quickly moving on to Kings. And uh, yeah, okay. The Psalms. The Psalms are really good reading. You come across that that says, kill him, Lord. I hate the, I hate the wicked with a, you know, okay, kids, let's move on to some good stories about Jesus here. Where are those good stories? You understand what I'm saying? This book's real. It tells you the truth right down to the bottom. It tells you about the people who failed, and it tells you about the God who succeeded. That city is a reflection of all that. Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for his goodness to us. Thank you for this beautiful city that he has built. I know, Father, we want to take a closer look at that, but I'm asking, Father, in the name of Jesus, if we'll take the things that we have looked at and build us up in that. Help us to desire that home more than any other thing in this earth. We give you praise for what you're going to do and for the way that you're going to do it. Father, is anybody who doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior yet, Please, this day I ask, bring them to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Help them to know that Jesus is coming again soon. For Christ's sake, amen. Listen, God has given to us a great, great gift of His Holy Spirit, given us the Word of God, given us opportunity, given us everything that we need to be a fully functional people. Let's, let's use what God has given to us this week and be all that God wants us to be. Uh, Al and Lynn are obviously in Alaska. They have arrived safely. I don't know what all they're into because I know they were doing vacation Bible school up there. I have a funny feeling that Al may have somehow gotten involved in vacation Bible school. I just know Wayne and I don't know Al. 
Uh, so they will not be here this evening. Uh, I will be speaking this evening, uh, as I will the next Sunday evening as well. So I look forward to seeing you back here at 6 o'clock. All right? Father, thank you for the gifts of this day. Thank you for all the things that you're doing in us. Please make of us the people that you want us to be. Thank you, Father, for the opportunities that are ours this week. We pray for those who are facing some challenges this week. We ask in Jesus' name you'll bring health, healing, and encouragement to them. In Christ's name and for his sake, amen. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's edgemontbiblechurch, all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.